Hey, Substackers, what's going on? Happy Sunday. Uh, in lieu of a Sunday sermon today, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit um, about something that has just happened. It feels like, whether it be on Substack or Instagram or, or whatever over the past couple weeks, um, I haven't really had a lot funny to say. I don't know why. I mean, dude, I mean, we all know the state that the world's in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and it's not like before all of this, you know, Gaza stuff, the world was in a great place, but it does feel like we've got an even bigger cloud over us right now because, you know, I feel like when something like that happens, it sort of like illuminates the other stuff that was bad or sort of magnifies it or everything else. Like we're just, we're so... We're so on edge that even the little things start becoming the big things. And I don't really know, you know, what to do about that. Um, So it's it's been a rough time. But what I want to talk about today, and this is probably going to sound weird coming off the jump, talking about someone whom I don't know, whom I assume none of us know. Uh, But Matthew Perry, who everyone on this Substack, no matter where you're from or how old you are, you know Matthew Perry. That's the level of fame that he was at. I mean, Friends is was the biggest show at the time. It's still one of the biggest shows. It's a cultural phenomenon. It's like, it's impossible to put into words how big that show is and thus how recognizable Matthew Perry as Chandler is. And as y'all have definitely heard the news, because it's everywhere, um, he passed away. Apparent drowning in his jacuzzi. Uh, you know, they say no one was there. They say there were no drugs at the scene. All of that, I can't even speculate on what it might have been. You know, obviously, we all have our thoughts that when something like this happens to someone like Matthew Perry, our brains immediately go to one place uh, because I think as humans, we're wired to instantly deduce something. Take, what information do I have? What happened? This is probably what happened. Um, it doesn't, but it doesn't matter what happened. The fact is that he passed away, and I hate. I I have such a love hate relationship with the word triggered because I feel like with many words that used to be totally fine, they were like it's one of those words that's been weaponized. Where now. It feels like every time you say it, you're being completely ironic, or it's it almost seems like a parody of itself, if that makes sense. Like, like the I won't even necessarily say just people on the on the right or any particular political party. It's just certain people, because because dude, there's people on all ends of the political spectrum that absolutely have. Um, immature and primitive thoughts on mental health. I I promise you, that is not just a right-wing thing. (laughs) It's not. Now, now I I will say that I think it is more um, noticeable over there, and it's definitely more noticeable in policy. And I would say that if you put 100 (laughs) Democrats in a room and 100 Republicans in a room and you tried to pass something on mental health, uh, you're probably going to get a hundred nays on the Republican side 
and uh, probably 99 yays on the Democratic side. But that's just from a policy standpoint. That doesn't necessarily mean that these people – a lot of times politicians will vote for something that they don't believe it in their heart. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just like, oh, that's what we're supposed to do because that's what the voters want. Am I making sense? I hope I'm making sense. But because of that, you know, the word triggered is often used to make fun of someone. Oh, did that trigger you? You know, and, and I feel like I've probably used it like that too. Like I've used it as a joke, like, oh, they changed the Butterfinger recipe and that really triggered me. So like I'm guilty of it too. But in its actual application of the word, triggering does happen all the time. And until we figure out a better word for it and before that word itself gets weaponized, I can only say with 100% certainty that the death of Matthew Perry again, while I don't know him, uh, did at least a little bit trigger me. And I bet it did to a lot of you listening. And I bet to a lot of your friends who aren't listening. And the reason for that is because people like me and people like you, people like your friends, and some of you don't know what I'm talking about, um, have suffered from either mental illness or um, drug abuse, or oftentimes both, you know, um, it's very often that those two, they go together like peanut butter and jelly, dude. I mean, they really do. And, uh, I've talked a million times on here and everywhere else that like the, the thing that I'm most grateful for and the thing that is like the luckiest thing that's ever happened to me is that I do not have a ridiculously addictive personality. Um, have I abused drugs? Yes, a hundred percent. I have abused drugs, but whatever that is in some people's brain that makes them not be able to get away from it ever. I don't possess that. I was always able to have fun at parties. And then as soon as I realized, oh, I'm going a little overboard, I was able to stop. <laughs> a lot of it was a financial <laughs> thing. It's like, I don't have no more money, so I can't do uh, any more drugs. Now, you know, I, I, unfortunately, a lot of my friends were in that exact same position, but that's when things like, you know, stealing, <laughs> uh, robbing from your family, doing horrible, denigrating yourself sexually or whatever it is to get your fix, that happens. But again, but in my opinion, that only happens when you've got whatever it is in your brain that's like, I can't possibly go on another second without this. And I don't have that. But I have been low in my mental health. I have definitely abused drugs to make myself feel better, not knowing that therapy or exercise or proper medication would have done the trick. And I certainly, I will never be at any type of height like Matthew Perry was. And that's not me. That's not me thinking little of myself. That's me just acknowledging how truly 0.000001% of of the the opportunity that he had. Like television's not the same. There's never going to be a show like Friends again. It's not going to happen. It literally can't with the model that we have. Like it's not the networks don't work like that. There's so many channels. I mean, it was lightning in a bottle. And a lot of those people were lucky that that happened for them. Obviously, that, and now I say with lucky, another thing with Matthew Perry, why I think this was so triggering for me and a lot of people is like, it was just undeniable the talent he had. I mean, 
you know, a lot of people look at comedian like they 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 look at the word comedian and a lot of people think that means stand up comedian. And so maybe they wouldn't have called Matthew Perry a comedian, uh, but I 100% disagree. I 100% disagree. First off, um, I don't know how Matthew Perry was as a writer, but I promise you, if he had half a talent for writing, he 100% could have gotten on stage and told jokes because the most important thing, in my opinion, in comedy um, is timing. I'm sure that me and so many people could debate that back and forth, but like I've seen people who have wonderful material, but their timing sucks. So the material doesn't work. You know what I mean? Words like prose itself is, and I know this because I've tried to write funny books. Prose itself is hard to make funny. It's how you say it, which is like why we're so adamant about reading our audible books because we're like, at least we get to say it the way that we want to say it. We get to pause here. We get to whatever. And Matthew Perry had that in spades. There was, if you go back and look at Friends, there were so many times when he got the biggest laugh on the show, but the line he said wasn't even a punchline. If anyone else had have said it, it wouldn't have got that laugh. But because he had brilliant comedic timing, which is way different than dramatic timing, he got the laugh and he was absolutely wonderful at it and like there's part of me that there's part of me that goes well you can't coach that he was born with it but then there's the other part of me that goes now he worked his ass off too that guy really really cared you know and he was really 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 talented and like it's funny because him being Chandler on Friends like all of us would take that like he he never had to work again a day in his life he was known for this you know iconic role he was beloved by millions of people but at the same time you could look at it like I I sometimes look at it as like man kind of handcuffed him though because I always think about what else he could have done because when you play somebody like Chandler you know it it's like Rain Wilson with Dwight a lot like you get typecasted like you're that guy you know and again any of us would take that deal I would take that deal right now if someone told me hey Corey you're about to be on the most popular show and you'll never have to work a day in your life and all your family and your family's family will be taken care of. However, you will be typecast and maybe that'll be the biggest role you ever have. I'd go, you know what? Eh, that's fine. Most people don't get to have that. But it is But it is sad for like, in a, in a way, for like us as an audience and Matthew Perry as a creative to where it's like, how, how much more he could have done and how much he was capable of and not only just being typecast by Chandler, but his demons because everyone it's public he wrote a book about it it was all the gossip when he was on friends he had demons he had horrible demons with drugs and he was very open about that it wasn't necessarily just i'm in hollywood and i like getting getting fucked up he was masking some hurt when he was on friends you know i've heard him in interviews before say that like he would go out there and purr everybody else absolutely crush, but he would feel like he had horrible takes and he would go home thinking that nobody thought he was funny or if like, you know, they're out there testing it in front of an audience and he didn't get a laugh, he would like hold that responsibility on himself and think that he was ruining the show and like it would really fuck with him. And and I think that there's a lot of people that would look at that and maybe me too back in the day. I don't know. I've always been... <laughs> 
I've always kind of understood how drama and, and comedy and shit works, but like who would look at that as like, that's silly. Who gives a fuck? It's not that big of a deal. But like, it's not in that situation. It's not the acting. It's not the comedy. It's not that he's making a big deal about this thing that doesn't really matter. And it's all fun. That's a personal demon of not being, not thinking that you're good enough and thinking that you're letting everyone down. He would have done the same thing if he was working for the Pentagon or if he was a, a bank investor. Like that's a, that's a personal flaw, not like an industry thing. That's not a person being a diva because they're on television or a big star. That's a person who has something wrong with her mental health and that's how it comes out, you know, and that's tragic. And, um, and look, man, the reason that I talk a lot about, I do about mental health and stuff is that, you know, you can't know this a hundred percent, but it's possible that if we were in the nineties where we are today with mental health acceptance and people, the stigma, it, cause it's not completely gone. We all know that it's not completely gone, but it's definitely better. I mean, how do I know it's better? Because I'm talking about it right now and I'm not ashamed, you know? And there was a time in my life when that would not have been the case. Even if, like, I wasn't personally ashamed of it, I would be so worried that, like, all my friends would make fun of me or whatever that I just, or, or people, and you look, there, there are people that do and that will, and there's people that will see that I'm even putting this out and be like, you know, what a loser. What I, I, but now I don't care because I've gotten the help that I needed. But back in the 90s, it, you know, you, I don't know. There wasn't really such thing as like, oh, you wouldn't look at Matthew Perry's story and go, he's got mental health problems. You would just look at it as he's a star who has all this success. So naturally he's doing a bunch of drugs. Like it, you don't think you, you didn't think about the mental health aspect of it. And and it's such a vicious cycle. It's like I feel bad. Drugs make me feel good. I do drugs. And then it's like the drugs are now making me feel bad. So I'll do different drugs or I'll do more of these drugs and then I'll be fine. And when you're working at such a clip like he did, maybe in his brain, it's like, there's no time for me to go to therapy. I mean, I'm pretty sure that he would like, I heard him in an interview talking one time. It was like, if you watch the show and he was like, he had, he was kind of chubby. That meant he had been in rehab and he was off the shit. And if you saw him and he was skinny, that's when he was back on the shit. And like, dude, you can totally tell you can a hundred percent tell. And, um, and I can't, I can't decide. And like I watch, I watch that show a lot with my wife and, and knowing that whenever I see what his body looks like, I try to pick up on things. And it's so sad because I know that when he was skinnier and on pills, he thought I'm crushing it way harder, but he was, he didn't need any of that shit to be as great as he was because he it didn't matter what state he was in he never missed a beat he was that type of talent and for him for all of us to know that and for him not to know that is so sad and so tragic and um and i think that he's a he's he can be a you know if if we let him be uh he can be a cautionary tale he's not your typical one of your kurt cobain or your Janice Joplin or Amy Winehouse or Chris Farley or Belushi, anyone in the 27 or 33 club, you know, he's, he's not your typical story. He, as far as, as far as being a celebrity 
who was publicly addicted to drugs, being 54 is almost a ripe old age, which is sad. You know, everybody can't be Charlie Sheen or Keith Richards. But I still think he can be a cautionary tale in the sense of you see this dude who everyone loved, everyone respected, everyone thought was the funniest guy. And not only that, like you hear people talk about him. This is before his death, too. I'm very happy that he got his flowers while he was on earth. Because people would always say this about him. Like, no one on the show was funnier. He was super sweet. He just obviously had problems. And, uh, again, all the money in the world, all the love in the world, people rooting for him, and he still had these problems. So what does that tell you? I mean, to me, these are the cases that prove mental health and drug addiction are very real things that sometimes you cannot help. Because if Matthew Perry had hypothetically been cast on Friends and had made it one season and then got fired, right? And then the show goes on to be this massive success. Then he turns out to be a a drug-addled victim of his own brain. Everyone will be like, well, yeah, you know, that's not... That's not depression. That's just he got like he something bad happened to him and he's torpedoing. But I think in moments where everything seems to be going good, but they're not, is the actual proof of yeah, this person should not, by all metrics, feel anything other than certainty about who they are and comfort and and contentment. Yet they don't. And why is that? Well, because monetary things have nothing to do with what's going on in our brain at any point. And, um, and it, it just, you know, I'm sorry for rambling here, but I know that a lot of people, if you're like me, when you popped up and you saw that he was gone, it, uh, it triggered you because it looked like he was getting his shit together. And that's what's scary. Now, it's, listen, it's very possible. We don't know how many drugs this guy did. And again, this is all speculation. I'm just sort of talking it out. When you do drugs for that long, even if you get clean, a lot of times the damage is done, whether it be to your heart, your liver, whatever. Sometimes your body, I mean, you know, I don't know if it's as simple as like your heart only has so many beats in a lifetime. And when you're going hard, it beats more and you're going to run out of them quicker. I know it's not that. But it's, you know, it's something like that. (laughs) I mean, that does happen. When someone lives harder, they leave us sooner. And and it just works like that. I don't know if, and, and we won't know for a while, and it doesn't fucking matter whether he just relapsed and that's what it was. But either situation is terrifying for anyone who has trouble with either drug abuse or mental health issues because it puts you in this scary place of going damn i i didn't know that by 54 it could all unravel again i've I've, like you get scared that you're like i've got it figured out now and then you look at something like this and you go oh no it's it's an everyday thing it's not something that you get fixed and then you just go on about your life it's everyday work dude it is everyday work you know it's not dissimilar to i had a teacher who uh, smoked cigarettes when I was in high school, smoked so many cigarettes, and then quit. Like, it was a big deal at the school. Everybody was so proud of him. And I was playing golf with him 
12 years after I graduated, he still hadn't had a cigarette. And uh, he, he bummed one from me. And I didn't want to give it to him. I didn't want to give it to him at all. And he was like, no, I have a puff every now and then. And, and this is one of my teachers. I'm do, he's a grown man. I'm doing what he says. And he smoked it. And then I find out he's back to smoking cigarettes. He hadn't had one in 12 years, y'all. You would think that after 12 years you had something licked and you just don't because sometimes that's how our brain works. And that's the point I'm trying to make about why something like this can be triggering for people. And so if you see someone reacting strongly to the death of someone that they didn't know and you think that's insane, you don't even know this person, I'm here to tell you that I don't think it's insane. And I'm trying to give you the reason for why that might be. Now, I say I'm mildly triggered. I'm fine. I don't need anybody to reach out to me. It's just something that crossed my mind, and it made me more so think of other people who maybe aren't doing as well as me right now. Like, I'm doing, I'm doing great. I can, I, I, you know, used to, I wouldn't have been able to see something like this, process it like this, and then be able to put it into words. I wouldn't have even known what I was feeling. But, I, I, dude, if I hadn't gotten help... It's possible that I would see this and subconsciously start doing some drugs for the weekend to numb myself without knowing exactly why it was. Because it does kind of give you, it's, it's this weird itch that it, that it gives you. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you see an anti-smoking commercial, yet it makes you want a cigarette. Like you see this commercial where this person's lungs are completely charred. But all it's reminding you of is how much you like cigarettes. And uh, there's a part of seeing Matthew Perry die in a hot tub that makes part of me go in a fucked up way. Oh, man. Tell you what. I could go for some opiates and a swim. It's fucked up, right? It's fucked up, but it goes through your mind. And And again, like I said, luckily... I'm not an addictive personality where I'm sitting here scratching for it, but it crosses my mind, and I know it crosses other people's mind in this weirdly sadistic, fucked up, completely bass-ackwards way. Um, Or you're triggered in the sense of, like I said, here's someone who you saw fight these demons that you're fighting those similar demons, but you saw them come out the other side, and now you see this, and you go, oh my God, is there another side? Um... And I'm not smart enough to even speculate on that. All I wanted to say was, um, it it just makes so much sense to me why his death has sort of made me feel like saying something or whatever. Um, But if if anybody gets anything out of this, uh, it is that I'm thankful that we're in such a different place as a culture now than we were in the 90s because while it may have been too late for somebody like Matthew Perry, we will never know how many people that we see walking through our day-to-day lives or on TV who were it not for the cultural shift in acceptance of mental illness who would have turned out like Matthew Perry. We'll never know that. You can't quantify it. You know, and I, I think that's a... I think that's a real big bugaboo for certain politicians is like you can't quantify things like this so they can't see the results. But like, you just know that it's true. You just know that it's true. Um, and again, as I said, I'm 
I will never reach the heights of Matthew Perry. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I'm fine where I am. That's, that's what being happy is, by the way. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, but I have no reason to think that if I hadn't gotten my shit together and that if it hadn't become something I felt was more socially acceptable for me to get help and to put my happiness first, I have no doubts that it's possible that I could have turned out the exact same way because so many of the things that I heard him describe, I felt. I felt that shit before. I have fucking 100% felt that. I, I can't tell you how many times I have, <laughs> I have thought I ruined something when from everybody else's perspective, I crushed. You know what I'm saying? And it's not just people being nice. These are things that I go back, I look back on them and go, oh, wow, you did really well. Why did you think you sucked at that? Well, my brain was playing a trick on me. Or how many times I've beat myself up because I legitimately did let people down, whether it be in a, in a scene, a, a take on a, uh, you know, on a sketch or something or like on, on a stage performance and how much I carried that with me for way longer than I should when everybody else not only had forgotten about it, but it wasn't even that big of a deal to them at the time because they were like, well, yeah, I mean, everybody misses a line from time to time. Who gives a shit? I, I, what I'm saying is I, I get it. I get it. That's not a, that's not a being an actor dramatic thing. That's being a person and having issues with letting others down and being insecure. And, um, it's just that it's going to be magnified when you're in front of everybody, you know? So, uh, I hope everybody that was slightly triggered by this or who sees this at least looks at it as the cautionary tale of hey get it together man just get it together I, I don't know what to tell you it's hard and like I said we don't know it could have just been that his heart gave up it, it, he could have been clean and sober and it could have been that his heart gave up or it could have been that he thought he had it together and he got comfortable and it happened again and that's something that I realize about my mental health all the time is that uh, sometimes I'll really think I got it licked and then I will maybe take a few days off, off of the uh, self-care routine and the next thing I know I'm spiraling and I have to remind myself that while it's not fair that I have to do all these extra things just to feel the same way that my wife feels when she does nothing it's not fair but it is how it works it is how it works you know it it, it doesn't matter i'm starting we're life is a race and perhaps with the depressed brain we're starting 50 yards back from the starting point well i gotta get faster you know what i mean i gotta get better shoes i gotta stretch more and then I can keep up with everybody. Uh, but you just have to. And you have to do it every day. And uh, I do know some people who knew Matthew Perry. I have some friends who worked with him. And obviously my heart's with everybody. And it just sucks, man. I mean, it just sucks. And uh, it, is, it is different because I feel like Chandler Bing was such an iconic character that we all feel like we knew him. And it's sad. 
and it's okay to be sad. Um, and anybody that that thinks that anyone is stupid for being sad over an actor who they like dying is, as I talked about on Instagram the other day, that person is just hurting inside. <laughs> that person is just hurting inside and they're lashing out at the world. And frankly, they need all the help that I'm talking about getting right now. And I hope they do. Oh, anyways, um, apologies for a different type of Sunday sermon, but that's what I wanted to talk about today. And uh, I love y'all. I hope you have, I don't know if y'all are celebrating Halloween Tuesday, like on an actual day, or if you celebrated it last night. Uh, We're doing a little bit of both. Last night was like the actually go to the party thing, and then Tuesday, I think me and the boy are just going to dress up for fun and go say mama or something like that but i hope y'all had a good time we certainly did uh my son i loved all the comments everybody made whether it be here on instagram or on twitter or whatever about my son's lieutenant dan outfit he y'all he fucking loved it like i think that uh maybe we're just gonna have to start tying off his pants like that anyways because like he i think he found it oddly comforting he was like insulated in them you know, but he had a blast. He he sat there and hung out with everybody at the party and and uh, not to be the cheesy dad who's giving y'all the updates that I'd normal a normal person would reserve only for their mom, but he's sitting up now on his own. Like he just rises up like the undertaker and he'll sit up for like 10, 15 minutes and just play on his butt and that's a big milestone. I even think that he's like a month early on that, which is cool. He's like if I can stand him up and if I just barely hold his shoulders, he'll stand there. Obviously if I let him go, he'll fall. But like I'm he's progressing, man. He's going to be my little, by, by his birthday next year in March, I guarantee you he's going to be upright hitting golf balls, at least with a putter. And I'm super pumped about it. Uh, but that was my first Halloween with a child. And yeah, that's what it's all about, buddy. <laughs> that is a hundred percent what it's all about. That was so much fun. Uh, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. As soon as I put him to bed, I still did some of my normal uh, things that I did on Halloween before I had a kid, which, of course, is to take a little bit of psilocybin mushrooms and watch some scary shit. (laughs) I did, uh, but he was safe in the bed, and my wife was not under the influence of psilocybin mushrooms. Therefore, everything was safe. And before anybody says anything, it was a very low dose. I wasn't, like, tripping balls. It was just a great day. And suggestion, by the way, if y'all are wanting something to put you in the Halloween mood, but you have already seen every Halloween movie that there is, bruh, and I'm not paid to say this, I'm just someone who, whenever something hits for them, I want it to hit for everybody. Netflix, The Fall of the House of Usher. I am normally not one for scary shit. So if you're someone out there who's like, I'm not really into horror stuff, I think this might be good for you because I've always been the same way. Like, I don't like jump scare bullshit. Um, the, the, the main horror movies that I like are like the Jordan Peele type varieties, you know, which they're like way more psychological and fucked up instead of just like, oh my God, something jumped out behind a rock. And um, The Fall of the House of Usher has the perfect blend, in my opinion, because it is... Without giving anything away, it's essentially a crime drama that also has horror and mystic shit 
uh, woven through it. Like every now and then you'll almost forget, oh, this is supposed to be a horror because it's just kind of like succession level bullshit. The, the whole concept of it is um, it's this pharmaceutical company family um, and it's, you know, the fall of their, their rise and fall to power. Uh, and it's inspired by a bunch of Edgar Allan Poe poems. And, you know, some of which they read the poems aloud and the narrative takes form that way. So, you know, there's a whole shit ton of ravens and stuff. Uh, but dude, it's really good. I, I would say that like, if you like, if you like succession, uh, but also the movie Get Out, maybe mix them together. It's really tremendous stuff. It's eight episodes. Me and my wife blazed through it. So, you know, if you start now and you try to blaze through it, you can be watching the last episode come Halloween night. Um, I would like for, hey, while we're here, I'm still talking. If you're still listening, I would love some suggestions uh, for some shit for me to watch for Halloween because, like I said, I'm not a jump scare kind of person. Like, the horror movies that I like... I'll give you some examples. And then you can be like, oh, Corey, here's one that's kind of like that that you may not know about. House of a Thousand Corpses, I love. The Devil's Rejects, which was the sequel, I love even more. That's one of my fucking favorite movies ever, even though the genre is not normally something that I fuck with. Um, Get Out, love it. Um, I liked the second one that Peel did with the body double. I liked it. It wasn't as good as Get Out, but I did like it. And, of course, I like Nope. And, uh, you know, I dig The Fall of the House of Usher. And I do dig, like, comedy Halloween stuff. Like, I'm pretty... I've never seen The Haunted Mansion, that new Danny DeVito one. I'm pretty pumped about watching that. Loved Goosebumps as a kid. Uh, you know, all that stuff. But if there's any suggestions y'all have for, like, oh, dude, if you've never seen this, watch this on Halloween night. I would love to take some more mushrooms and do that. I'm going to say something that's going to blow y'all's mind right now. I'm pretty sure, unless it was when I was a little kid, and even if it was, I kind of don't count it, because when you're this little, it's like, yeah, I, watching a movie as a little kid is like, nah, there was a movie on and I was there. It's not like I really watched it. I don't think I've ever seen the original Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis. And as I got older, it just became something where I'm like, I'm not really into horror, so like, why would I? But uh, I need to know if it falls more in the category of psychological thriller more so than jump scare. Because I'm not really about that whole, like, you know, the people that make the movies specifically to, like, we want the audience's heart rate to be up here and scare the fuck out of... I don't like that. I like creepy shit. Creepy, black mirror type shit. That's my type of horror. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, I've babbled long enough. It's Sunday. I hope you'll have a wonderful rest of your day. If you're, uh, if you're on the ad-free shows network, uh, then y'all know that, uh, this is Sunday. This is happy hour day. So I'll be with my co-host Rebel on Rebel's happy hour on ad-free shows network later. Thank y'all for listening to, uh, putting on airs and well-read and thank y'all for subscribing here at bonuscory.com. Remember Tuesday on Halloween, the epic conclusion of Colonel Cornbread and the case of the Confederate Ruby. And once again, my apologies for the lack of episodes. I said it before, but in case you weren't, you didn't listen to that particular thing. Uh, (laughs) You know, obviously proud of my son for sitting up and 
almost standing, but boy, I really wish that he would get better at the whole sleep thing because, uh, and it's fine. Hey, listen, even the, even the negative things about him, I turn into positives and I love him. He's a growing boy. He's teething. What do you expect, Corey? Uh, but I'm worn out. I'm fucking exhausted. Uh, time has, I feel like I'm in the pandemic again where time is completely irrelative to anything. It's just like, look, I do stuff when I have energy and I sleep when I can't and then I wake up with the baby. So things have just been very scattered for me. It's now turning into what I fully expected having a baby would be. Uh, and doesn't matter. I was prepared for it, but you know, it's, uh, it's going to take its toll on a self-employed man who's trying to have it all and be a stay-at-home dad, I suppose. But anyways, we'll get uh, Tuesday, Colonel Cornbread, and uh, we'll try to have some sense of normalcy this week. Love y'all very much. Thank you for being here. Hug everybody, and uh, take care of your brains. All right. Love you. Bye.